0: Well, what's up, church? Um, hopefully you guys are enjoying your summer. And before we get rolling this morning, really what I want to do is I want to ask a question. How many of you guys have ever been in a fight? I'm talking like knockdown, down, drag out, you know, fist fight. You guys, yeah? Especially like when you're a kid. Maybe it was at the bar last night. I don't know. Hopefully not. But uh, but for most of us, it's, in a, it's when you're a kid, right? And and you win some and you lose some. Sometimes you never lose. But uh, but you win some most of us we win some and you lose some one time well, the the neighborhood that I grew up I grew up in a in a neighborhood is right off the country club in Fremont and I know that makes me sound rich and there were rich kids in the neighborhood and then there was the rest of us Okay, so we had two different groups, and that's really how we divided all throughout elementary school. Um, it was the rich kids, and there's the rest of, us, rest of us. It was the private school kids and the public school kids, and this is just how we divided ourselves. And everything that we did, like, in the neighborhood, that's, that's just how we we're all divided. It was always us against them. We'd go out onto the field and play football. It was us against them. If we went and played, like, home run derby with the tennis balls where you could just, you know, slam it, it was always us ups, us. Against them. That's how you know. That's just how it was all throughout growing up. One time I remember, um, I'm in. I have rollerblades on, which I never had rollerblades on. This is probably the last time that I ever, as a child, had rollerblades on for this reason. I remember I'm, uh, I'm I'm going down the road. I got some buddies. I don't know what we're doing. We're just hanging out on the streets. You know, we're cool. So. We're, going, we're just hanging out, and this, this rich kid, one of these kids, his name's Kyle, he, he rides his bike by, and he says something, so he'll be like, eh, you know, whatever it might be. And then I, being the, the cool kid I am, like I shout something back. I'm like, yeah, 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 you know, and so he turns around, and he comes to me, and he gets up in my face. And so I get up in his face, and, and we're mouthing off at each other, and I'm thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, dude, I'm in rollerblades here. Like, this is not, like, the, the, what I want to be wearing if I got, you know, if I get into a fight. Like, I can barely balance on my own, let alone trying to fight a kid. And so we're there in our, in each other's faces. My friends are around me. They're backing me up, you know, my boys. And so I can't back down to the guy. So I'm letting him have it. And then sure enough, he like, he like pushes me. I'm like, whoa. And then he sees the weakness and he grabs me and he slams me down. And I actually landed on one of those stupid blue metal water turnoff things like in someone's front yard. You know what I'm talking about? Like right on the hip. And I was like, oh. But that's not what you do as a kid. You know, you get back up and, and he got on his bike and he rode away, and and I'm like, yeah, you better run, you know, that type of thing, whatever that was. You know, it's like that type of thing. You lose some sometimes. I I get it. Uh, The last time that I was in a fight was uh, actually actually high school, which is kind of embarrassing. It was at school, and what was happening was... Every, I had a class that was in a different building from the high school, and so we would take us, you know, walk on the sidewalk, go to this other building, have a class, and we walk back. And so we were always passing kids and stuff on the way. Well, there was this kid who was in my grade, and he was, uh, he was kind of like the class clown, the jokester, always wanted to be the funny guy, that type of guy. You guys know that guy? Yeah. Okay. Some of you guys were that guy. Um... That guy, and when, once we were passing each other, what he started doing is he started getting a rubber band. He'd have a rubber band, and he would, you know how it was, like in middle school, you'd take a piece of paper, you fold it all, make it really hard, and then bend it, and then you could whip it at somebody. You know what I'm talking about? With the rubber band, you could shoot it. Yeah. Any of you guys ever do that? Yeah. Like when the teacher's not looking, you hit the kid on the other side of the room? Okay, that's what he was doing. So when we passed each other, he would do that, and he would, and he would, like, shoot it at our faces, me and the, the people that we were with. And that really irritated me because I'm like, dude, we're not in middle school anymore. This is super immature. Like, come on, man. And it's kind of embarrassing. Like I got this kid shooting this thing at me. Everybody's laughing. He thinks he's hilarious. And it's just like, dude. So after a few weeks of that, I remember going to him as we were passing each other and after he probably already hit me, smoked me in the face. You know, I'm like, dude, this is it. Like, this is the last day. You're not gonna do this tomorrow. We're done. This is really annoying me, okay? And he's like, dude, I'm just joking, man. I'm just kidding. right, Man, what, what the heck? What's the big deal? And then he left. The next day, so I'm like ready. I got my backpack on, I'm, you know, my book bag. I'm ready. I'm like, dude, we're just about to see what's about to happen because I'm not going to be able to take this if he, you know, I gave him his warning. And we we come up, and I can see him walking towards me, and he's got this stupid grin on his face. He's like, you know, like, He's looking at me, smiling. I'm like, all right, this is about to, this is about to get ugly. And, and he, I see him, he whips out this little, you know, rubber band. He's got the paper already made up. And he's like, Whew. and I'm thinking, he's not going to shoot it. Like, you know, he's just, he's just pushing the limits because that's what this kid did. And then he shot me in the face. And I was ticked. And so I went, and this guy's a little guy, so this isn't even that impressive. And I went, and I'd been in wrestling, you know, I'd been in wrestling, and so I, you know, it took me like two seconds. I grabbed him, headlock, threw him down, got on the ground, on top of him, and I'm like, are we done? And he's like, dude, I'm just joking. What are you doing? You know, and he's like, he's like kind of freaking out. I'm like, dude, are we done? I had a friend there. She like screams. And it's just, it's just kind of embarrassing all the way around. It's in the grass. And he's like, yeah, we're done. And so I, he's like, all right, I'll stop doing it. And so I start letting him, I start getting up and he punches me in my face, which is even more annoying. And so I have to like grab him and throw him back down. And I'm like, now are we done? And he's like, okay. (laughs) Okay. And he never ever shot me ever again. So that that was that was good. But conflict just in general, right, is a part of our life. If you have a relationship with anybody, conflict has been a part of your life. I mean, and many times the people that you're the closest with, those are the people that you have the most conflict with. I mean, think about growing up. How many guys ever fought with your brother or sister? All the time. How many of you guys are parents, and because you're a parent, you can't remember ever fighting with your brother and sister, but you have your children who fight with each other all the time? You know okay, all right. Um, yeah, brothers and sisters, right? Siblings, they, they fight. With me, uh, and growing up, I, uh, I had two sisters, so I wasn't allowed to physically fight them, so it was more psychological warfare. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's just like annoy them to death and let them destruct on their own. One time, I was working on my bike in my garage. I don't think I did anything to deserve this. I didn't do anything. I was a nice brother. My sister, she was so mad at me for something, whatever it may have been. She came up, and I had my socket set, like big old socket set that I got for Christmas. Every little socket's in its perfect little spot. Everything's shiny. You know, I could see the glowing, like, like the light shining off of it. so shiny. And it was laying there, and she came up, and she just kicked it. And our garage, growing up, was messy. Okay, there's stuff everywhere. I, I, I got like half the sockets back. I was so mad at her for that. It was just like, why would you do that? You don't understand. Like, if you're a guy, you know how that is all these little pieces that are just gone. So, from there on out, I had half a socket set for my, for the, you know, until I, until I got a new one years, years later. But, uh, but brothers and sisters, fight. We get that. They argue, they don't get along, they bicker with each other. What James is going to be talking about to us today is he's going to be explaining um, the issue of spiritual brothers and sisters fighting, right? That's what we are. Here in this room, those of us here that, are, that have given their lives over to Jesus, that have a relationship with Jesus, which is to everybody in here, I'm sure, um, the Bible tells us, the Bible calls us, we are a family. We are brothers and sisters with each other. And it's not just here at Grace. It's really a world thing. It's a universal thing. Anybody in the world who has that relationship with Jesus, they are our brothers and sisters. So James specifically wants to talk about fighting within Christian circles. I mean, we see this all the time, right? I mean, this is why some churches, just the people just don't get along. This is why churches end up splitting. It's because people can't get along. They're fighting with each other. It's because Christians don't do what James and God tells us to do now the last few weeks uh, James has been talking to us. He's showed us how to deal with people and we've talked about a few different things. We've talked about how to how to treat people. We've talked about favoritism and how to treat people that are that are different from us. We've talked about last week we we spent a bunch of time talking about our mouths and the things that we say and the words that we use and how and how they are really like poison, right? Or praise. We could do a whole bunch of good with it or we could do a whole bunch of bad with it in the way that we talk to people. And now what James does in the letter is he finally gets to the root of the problem, and he's going to tell us how to fix that problem. And it's really the heart of the letter here, starting in James chapter 4, verse 1. He starts with a question. He says, hey, what's the source of wars and fights among you? Now, when we see the word wars, most of us, we automatically think nation versus nation and tanks and helicopters and guns and stuff like that. It's not, it's not what he's talking about at all. He's talking about, he, he's saying, why do you guys fight with each other? Why do you guys like wage war against each other? Actually, I really like that word because I think that's, that directly, you know, I think that specifically um, describes what we do day in and day out. When we fight with other people, what are we doing? It's like we're waging war in our life against them. And so James, he starts off with this question and, and he's really talking about Christian relationships and he's just, he's just like, why? Like, well, like, what is it? Where does that come from? Have you ever thought about that? Why do you fight with other people? How, why is that going on? Where does that come from? And it's interesting to me that James brings up fighting and conflict because James, of all people who, you know, help write the New Testament, this dude, he knew conflict. Like he knew about fighting hands down 100%. I mean, as a non-believing brother to Jesus, he had conflict with Jesus. We've, we, I mentioned this, you know, a few weeks throughout this Throughout the series, but James is the guy that early on in Jesus' ministry, he's out there and he only had three years of ministry. He's out there and he's at a house and there's people all around. People are gathering to hear what Jesus has to say. And Jesus is teaching them. The house is packed full. And James shows up and he doesn't like it. He shows up as a non believing brother. He's just like, Whoa, whoa, guys, don't listen to my brother Jesus. He's like, He's kind of crazy. Right, Jesus, when he's low, like he's low on his blood sugar, he's hungry. When he doesn't get enough sleep, he thinks he's God, he's kind of nuts. So Jesus, you come here, it's time for you to go take a nap. That was James, he came to collect Jesus. Right, he had conflict with Jesus. And it wasn't until after, and what changed that, by the way, it was the resurrection. And Jesus came back from the dead. He was like, "Okay, I believe but my brother was actually God." This is crazy, half brother, half brother, All right? And so, and so he ends up when Jesus is, when Jesus comes back from the dead when he resurrects, then James finally, finally believes. And now, fast forward a few years, now he's a pastor of a large church in what city? Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, just a few years before not only had killed, you know, Jesus, which is a big deal, but they killed a whole bunch of people. They killed the the disciple James. This is a different James. They had killed Stephen. You know, all this stuff had happened. There's a bunch of Christians who are dying, and they're chasing the rest of the Christians out of town or all that they can. I mean, there's conflict all around here. I mean, there's constant conflict in Jerusalem, even to this day, like it hasn't stopped. It's kind of crazy, and it's going to be like that to the end, the Bible tells us. See, James, he's surrounded by conflict, and there's all this pressure on the outside, let alone the conflict within his new huge church. I mean, there's thousands of Christian people who are coming to, to know Jesus, and uh, these people are brand-new Christians from all different walks of life. I mean, you, didn't think, you think that they never had conflict? All right, there's issues going on all over the place. I mean, he knew, fighting, 100%. And so James addresses this issue, and he starts off by asking this question. And think about how we normally answer this question. What's the source of wars and fights among you? Usually what we do is we say, well, why are we fighting? It's because you or it's because they fill in the blank. Right? Isn't that what we normally do? Well, they said this. Well, they did that, All right? They're always late. It's like we always point to someone else. They're so arrogant, and it drives me nuts, or, or they always do this, and it drives me crazy. So, yeah, I'm a little upset. But James, he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we normally answer the question, but here he actually answers the question for us. He's like, actually, it's none of that. It's not about what they did to you. It's not about how you feel. It's not about any of that. He says, this is the reason. He says, don't they come from your passions and wage war within you? Interesting. He says, you desire and you don't have. You murder, and you covet, and you cannot obtain, and so you fight, and you wage war. See, every time there is a conflict in our life, we always want to say, well, it's you. Well, it's that person. It's them. It's always them. It's always something external. It's them, 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 them. But James is coming on the scene. He said, whoa, whoa, that's not it. That's not the problem. The problem actually comes from within you. He's saying the problem isn't what they did to you. The problem is actually you. It's not there's a problem out there. It's that there's a problem in here. I mean, think about it. You know what the only common denominator in every fight that you ever, ever have been in is? It's you, right? It's you. You've always been in the fight. You know, it's always been different people in you. And we all deal with this. We all deal with this all the time, more than what I think. Than we naturally think. I mean, some of you guys, you've already had a fight this morning. Some of you guys, you had a fight on the way on the way to church. Like, you know, there's always uh, there's nothing better. There's nothing like a good on the way to church fight. You know what I'm talking about? We've all been there. Don't act like you're all good. Um, we've all, I know some people did that today, okay, because you get two people together and that's just what happens, conflict, where you're going, you know, you're driving along and it's like, I can't stand you, I wish you wouldn't do that, I wish you wouldn't do this, I'm tired of waiting for you, I don't want to be late, you know, get the kids ready, you need to stop doing that. And then you walk in the door here at Grace and you get, uh, first of all, you get greeted by one of our greeters and you're kind of angry because of the conversation that you just had with your husband, your wife, or your kids, or, or whoever it was, and when you walk in, and they say, hey, how are you doing? You're all like, oh, it's great, Right? Oh, this is a a great day, bless you, or whatever. You know, you guys are such liars, man. I'm just saying, we all know it's not always great. It's always good, but we know that's not the truth. Um, And so this is what James is saying. James is like, no, 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 no. The problem is within you. You want something And you're not getting it because you're all about yourself. We have these passions, he says, and desires, and you want what other people have. And so he's just pointing this part out. He's saying, hey, somewhere inside of us, we want their wealth because we don't have enough. Or we want their happiness because we're not happy people. We want their health because we're sick. Or we want good grades because they... That, or we want their good grades because we have bad grades, or we want their relationship because we're single, or our relationships don't stand up to their level, or what they have is so much better. And a lot of us, it's not just we want what they have for ourselves. See, sometimes I think we totally understand that what they have is we can't physically possibly have. We, we, we get that. We just don't want them to have it because we can't have it. It's messed up. We always want more. And because we want more, and because we want to be, we want ourselves to look better in front of everybody else, because we're all about ourselves, what we end up doing, what we end up fighting with others. See, he's getting down to the root problem of why we fight with other people. James, he actually points this out in the next sentence. He says, hey, you know what the reason is why you don't have? He says, you do not have because you don't ask. He says, you ask and you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your Pleasures. What he's pointing out here is he's saying, hey, some of you, like God is so on your back burner that you forget to even ask him. Like we understand that the Bible tells us God encourages us as his children. He says, hey, I'm a good dad. I want you to ask me for stuff. Do you guys know that? It's pretty cool, right? Like the creator of the universe is all powerful, could do whatever he wants. He wants you to ask him for stuff. Not that he's going to give you everything that you asked for, but he wants you to ask. He's a good dad. That's what he says. And so, really, he's going to give us what's best for us. Sometimes I think we ask for things that we're not thinking through all the way like God does, and what we're asking for is actually horrible for us. And so he doesn't give it to us, and we get mad when he doesn't do that. Anyway, he's saying, hey, some of you, God is so on the back burner that you forget to even ask him for what you want. Okay? So that's an issue. There's a whole bunch of us in here. But then others of us, a lot of us in here as well, we ask God for everything that will only advance us. It's like only for you. It's like you're so all about yourself that even when you pray, you are completely focused on you. James like, that's messed up too. That's not good. He actually says, he says, you adulterous people. What he's trying to do here is he's trying to grab our attention. He's like, it's like, you know, he's saying, you're like committing adultery here. He says, don't you know that friendship with the world is actually hostility towards God? When he says the world here, he's not talking about, hey, you can't have any non-safe friends or you can't have any friends that aren't Christians or other religions or anything like that. That's not, not what he's talking about. What he's talking about when he says the world here, he's talking about a worldly system. He's talking about the way the world works that's wrong. And, and the best way that I could come up with to describe what the world is, is things put together in a way that Satan likes. That's as simple as I could get. Things put together in a way that Satan likes, where Satan's looking at how the world runs, and he's just like, yeah, I like that. All right, that's going to mess him up. That's good. That's that's really good. And then Jesus looks at the world, and he's just like, no, that's that's not how it's supposed to be. It could be so much better if they would just do it this other way. Like, this isn't good for them. See, unfortunately for us, every single one of us in here, including myself, we all have a natural desire to do the worldly thing. We all do. Snakes. Wish that wasn't the case, but that is. It's kinda like it's kinda like driving. Have you guys ever been driving where you're driving down the road and you're not paying attention and your tire goes off the road and kind of sucks your whole car down? You know what I'm talking about? Like it pulls your car off the road. Anybody? All right. Okay. Six people. The rest of you are, guys are good drivers, and all the guys out there are judging me, saying I'm not a good driver. Now, great. Okay, so you know how that is. So you're driving down the road, you get close to the edge, and it kind of su- your your tire goes off the road and kind of sucks you down, and you're like, well, you got to overcorrect, and you know, hopefully not go in the other lane, that type of thing. The first time I experienced this was uh, was actually when I was 15 years old during my driver's ed class. Okay, not great. And so I'm driving, and my teacher, he's got a newspaper up. He's not even watching where we're going. He's not telling me. He's just like, go to this road ends. And I know. I'm like, dude, this road's like, it goes like three counties long. You, okay. You know, and so, and so he's, got, he's reading the newspaper. He's got it in front of him. And we're on a, just a, a, a narrow country road out in the middle of nowhere, and there's not another car on it. And I come up to a combine, okay, in the middle of the road. Never, you know, I'm like, all right, just... Wait for it. I don't know what you do. And so it's, like, its tires are off the road on this side and off the road on this side. So it's taking up all the space. So I slow down, and he's like, why are you slowing down? I'm like, well, we got a tractor in front of us, you know, two two hands on the wheel. And he's like, pass it. And I'm like, pass it on what? (laughs) You know, what am I supposed to do? And this road had just been recently paved, and there was no ditch, at least on the side that I used. And there wasn't any grass either. It was all just dirt. So it was just flat dirt, enough for like two lanes of cars, like just, just dirt. And he's like, just pass, it o- just pass it off. And I'm like, you want me to go off the road? And he's like, yeah, just go off the road, okay? And I'm like, all right, okay. And I remember getting close, and I'm like, and, and I'm, you know, I'm a little nervous. I'm like, all right, I am like i do not want to, you know, I got to make this class so I can get my license and, party, You know, that type of thing. And so I'm going, and I remember getting off the road, and it like sucked me off. I'm like, whoa, okay, we're off. And then he's like, and then I, so I slow way down because we're just going on dirt. I'm not on the road anymore. We got this big cloud of dust behind us that we're, you know, we're you know, kicking up. And he's like, I said, pass it, hurry up. And so I'm like, gunning it. And I'm like, all right, here we go. You know, and we're going down the road. And I remember he's like, all right, now get back on the road after we had passed the thing. And it's hard to get back on. It's weird. I don't know why that is because the road's higher or whatever. But I'm like, I'm like, I'm, try- I'm trying. I don't, I don't want to. And I'm going like 50 miles an hour, 45, 50 miles an hour and because he's telling me to go fast. And so I'm like trying, and then all of a sudden it's like, you know, okay, we're back. And uh, it's just crazy. I think a lot of times that's kind of how our Christian life is. Where the Bible describes our life, our Christian life, as it's a a narrow path. It's a straight and narrow path that we got to go down. And then sometimes what we end up doing is we get so close to the edge, we're like, okay, what's over there? I want to see what's going on over here. And it's like, and it's just, it sucks us off. And when we try to get back on, I mean, it's it's difficult. It's just easy to get sucked off the road, and it's hard to get back on the road. So we all have these inner desires for the worldly system that's, that's on display all around us. Every single one of us, this is the issue. And so James pointing that out. He says, so whoever wants to be the friend of the world actually becomes an enemy of God. See, so here's the deal. We as Christians, we have this unique relationship with our creator. Okay, it's just, it's just how it is. It's, it's an awesome, you know, wonderful thing. And it's our tendency, unfortunately, is to fall off the path. It's, it's our tendency to start veering, not just like, we don't, it's not like we stop and we turn around and we go the other way. It's, no, we just veer in the wrong direction a little bit. See, that, that's how Satan gets us. And we start running after the ways of the world. We start going after the worldly system. And the way that we do that is we, are, we start focusing on ourselves, It's all about advancing ourselves, helping ourselves, make us look better, making ourselves better than everybody else around us. And when we do that and we're completely focused on ourselves, guess who we're not focused on? God. When we do that, we neglect God in our life. And James, what he's saying here is he's like, when you do that, it's almost like you're cheating on God. Think about it that way. It's like you're cheating on God. And this is a big deal. He's saying you can't have both. You can't hold on to God over here, but then also hold on to the worldly thing over here. You actually, he says, you actually become an enemy of God when you do that because we become a part of that worldly system. And that worldly system is basically this idea. It's, hey, i got to build my kingdom for my power and my glory. But that is not how a Christian is supposed to be. We're supposed to be the exact opposite, right? Our motivation for everything that we do in our life is, hey, no, I'm building his kingdom for his power and for his glory. Like that's, how, that's how we're supposed to live our lives. But we so often focus on ourselves, and guess what? God's not a fan. He's not a fan of that. He says this. He says, Do you think it's without reason that Scripture says the spirit that he the spirit he made to dwell in us envies intensely? He's like, Don't you don't you get this? See, when we become a Christian, God literally moves into our life, like the Spirit lives within us. Okay, and this isn't something that. Uh, Here's the deal. Not everybody in this room has made that decision to do that. And you should do that today, okay? You should give your life over it to Jesus today. It's not about doing all this good stuff. It's not about becoming, you know, I'm going to become a better and better and better person. I'm going to impress God. The Bible tells us the exact opposite. The Bible says, hey, there is no, no amount of good that you can do to earn God's favor. That's a bummer. He says, you can't work your way to heaven. You can't do enough good. We are so messed up people. That ship has sailed a long time ago. So what did God do 2,000 years ago? He came down. He lived a perfect life. We ended up putting him to death. And on that cross, the Bible tells us that God poured out his wrath on himself. He poured out his punishment that we all deserve. That was for every single one of us, including myself. He poured that out on himself. Why do you have to do that? Why couldn't he just like, I don't know, forgiven us? It was because he's a perfectly just being. He's perfectly just, meaning he can't just sweep sin under the rug. He can't do that. It has to be paid for, and it has to be punished. And so he punished himself instead of us. And so every single person in here, we have the decision to make throughout, you know, at least one point in our life. Do we want to give our lives over to Jesus and do life his way and start that relationship, or do we want to do life our way, the worldly way? And so if you haven't made that decision, there's no better time to do that than today is ask God to come in to be a part of your life because you don't know if you'll have tomorrow. Honest truth. And so God moves into our life when we start that relationship. When we ask God to come into our life, I mean, he he moves in. And that spirit and, and God, he's envious and he's jealous of us. All right, kind of interesting, meaning that he's not into the idea of sharing you. He doesn't want to share you with anything, with any other system. He wants you, and he wants all of you. And so maybe you're sitting here, you're thinking, you're like, well, I don't know, that doesn't sound, you know, that doesn't sound um, like God, like God's envious or God's jealous. I don't know, it just doesn't sound right. Think about it this way. I mean, it is not wrong for a wife to ask her husband to to, to not sleep around with other women, Right? We get that? We all agree on that? Okay, all right. I was like, okay, all right. Tiffin, yikes, okay. Like that, when you get married, you make a promise, right? That you won't do that. It's the same thing with our relationship with God. When we start a relationship with God, what are we doing? We're making a commitment saying, hey, 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 God, all right, I'm with you. I identify with you. I'm going to follow. You and no one else. You know, I put all my faith and all my trust in what you did on that cross 2,000 years ago. And when we start dating or when we start flirting with the worldly system, man, God's righteously jealous. He hates that. And so James is just pointing this out. He's like, man, you better better watch out. God's not into that. He says, but there's good news. He says, he gives greater grace. He's like, man, you don't understand. Like, God has so much grace, like, packed up. I don't know. He's just got, you know, grace upon grace upon grace. He's just just pouring this out on us, right? Every time we say it, he's like, okay, here's some more grace. I wish you wouldn't do that. He's grace, 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 grace. He's just handing it out. He says, therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. See, when you have conflict with others, the issue isn't them, Issues you. And he gets down to what it is. He's saying, it's the pride in your life. It's pride. I mean, that's why we want what they have. That's why we want to advance ourselves. That's why we want to be better than them at all things, right? It's all pride. You know how I know that we all have pride? You know how I know? It's because every single one of us, well, that are born, let's say, in the 80s and after, I don't know. They have a bunch of pictures of themselves when they were kids. Every single one of us, we hate going to our parents' house where our mom breaks out. The old pictures of our awkward ears. Don't act like you didn't have any awkward ears. You did. Okay, we all did. Um, stuff like a picture like this. I don't want anybody to see that. It's embarrassing. You know, I'm like, Mom, put that away. I'm about to burn that. And now it's digital, so it's probably here forever. I'm riding a fake horse. This one, this is a terrible picture. My, my parents had a great idea that after football practice, I got, I got my teeth knocked out in seventh grade football practice. Helmet to the face. And, uh, and that killed. And so uh, they had this idea, because the dentist was closed when that happened, and so I had to wait a whole night, which was the worst night of my entire life. It's just crazy. I, um, they were like, hey, we want to get your picture. And I'm like, I don't want to remember this. You know, so that was their idea. I don't want anybody to see this. I don't know why we, this picture should not exist. All right, it makes me hurt. It, like, puts me in pain just looking at my teeth. Ah, yikes. All right? See, most of us, we have our awkward years when we're, you know, in elementary school or maybe even middle school for some of us. Um, This one is a picture of Pastor AJ, and this is his, that's his senior picture. All right? Yeah, I don't know. He's got the big tie, got the baggy pants. They, You know, AJ, he's super outdoorsy, so they put him on some plastic fake rocks. Hey, AJ, could you, you know, he's got a good model pose. I don't know what's going on there exactly, but, uh, but I like that picture. So I wanted you guys to show me that. AJ, if you're in here, oh, yeah, sorry. Um, if you have any, if you're embarrassed at all at this picture, it's your pride. So cut it out, okay? <laughs> Humble yourself. All right, we all got stuff like that. All right, God hates that pride in our hearts. He hates it. Right. In fact, James goes even further. He's like, not just God hates it. It's not just he's standing in a corner going, oh, man, Zach is prideful today. That really drives me crazy. He's not doing that. He's saying, God will resist you. That's a big deal. God of the universe resisting you. But then on the flip side, James says he also, he, man, he loves to give grace to the humble. So he resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And, and, and so our question naturally should be, all right, so, so I don't know, what do I do? Like, like, what do we do? I got pride. I got issues. Sometimes I fight with people. I got conflict with other people. I got conflict in my life right now with this person and that person and this person. I get it. Sure, I get the Bible's telling me it's because of my pride. I don't know if. Everybody's fully convinced yet, and, and sometimes I chase after worldly things. I get that, and so and now I'm learning that God's resisting me, like God resists me sometimes and actively resists me, and, and he, so what's the answer? He gives it in this last verse. He says, therefore, this is what you got to do. Submit to God. What's that mean? Submit to God. He says, stop doing what you want to do. Stop trying to advance you. Stop trying to focus on you. Stop trying to make you look better. Stop trying to stop being all about you. And instead, submit to God. Meaning, lose the prize, bring on the humility. Use the lose the pride, bring on the humility. And then James rattles off exactly what this looks like. He he describes it. He says, "This is what that looks like. Submit to God." He says, "Do this. Resist the devil." Okay, and he will actually flee from you. It's a good verse. He says, draw near to God, and he will actually draw near to you. He says, cleanse your hands, sinners. He says, purify your hearts. You double-minded, you guys are always trying to grab both things. got worldly, you got God, you like that? He's like, he's like be miserable and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. See, he's, what he's doing here. Because naturally, I think we're, we're reading a verse like this, and we're like, well, wow, what? <laughs> I thought the Bible told us to be joyful. Now he's saying don't be joyful. We're supposed to, our joy is supposed to turn to gloom. We shouldn't laugh. You know, we're supposed to be miserable. Is that what James is saying? No, what James is describing is he's describing this, this idea that we in the church call repentance. Okay, super churchy word. Basically, it just means this. Repentance is we sin, which we all do. We're all on the same page there. And when we do something wrong, we go to God and we acknowledge it. God, I did this thing wrong. I think a lot of us are good at doing that. But repentance is actually a two-step thing. It's not only do we acknowledge it to God, but we also stop it. Okay, we stop doing it. We change. See, many of us, we sin. We're good Christian people, we sin, we have bad attitude, we mouth off to our spouse or whoever it it might be, and we go to God later and we acknowledge it to God, and we're like, okay, God, hey, I did this thing, I'm sorry, and then we feel good about ourselves. But it doesn't bother us, us enough to change, and that's an issue. See, as a Christian, when we sin... What James describes here is he's saying that should make us miserable. It should make us mourn. It should make us cry. It's not something we laugh about. right? We have no joy in our sin whatsoever. In fact, instead of joy, we have gloom. So he's trying to give us the right perspective of what's going on here. And then he wraps it. He says, this is what you got to do. This is it. Humble yourself. Humble yourself before the Lord. And guess what? He'll exalt you. He'll raise you up. It's funny because James is like, hey, how about instead of focusing on you, instead of focusing on you and advancing yourself, how about you do the opposite? How about you humble yourself, view yourself as the lowest person in the room, and guess what? God will take care of the advancement that you want so badly. Like, he'll advance you. And when you do that, conflict will start disappearing in your life. Now, if we're Christians, um, Conflict won't ever disappear from our life. We totally understand that. Uh, but I think we can lessen it. That's the general idea here. We can lessen it by removing the pride, all pride, from our, from our life and the way that we live our life. There's conflict that will always be in our life two different ways. Number one, there will always be conflict within us. Meaning, oh, we all have the struggle because we got a sin nature and we got God living in there in our life. And, and within us, it's just this issue because we're, we're prone to do the wrong thing, but we want to do the right thing. It's just, it's just this constant battle within ourselves because we're evil. We're all evil. And so that's one way. But the other way that we always have conflict, meaning there will always be conflict within the world because the worldly system is evil. So in a sense, we'll always be in conflict with that worldly system that James was talking about. So in a general sense, I think the way that we live our life, or if we live the life the way that James and God tells us to, there will be less conflict in our life in both of those areas. But specifically, the context that James is talking about this morning, he's talking about Christians fighting with ever-Christians, which James would say, yeah, that should never happen. Someone who claims to be a Christian should never be at conflict with somebody else who claims to be a Christian. By the way, that's something that specifically every single one of us in this room have been guilty of. If not today, tomorrow. See, in Christian relationships, conflict or a fight, it takes two people. And when we are humble, it actually takes us out of the the equation. And that's his point. His whole point today is, hey, you are the source of conflicts in your life. You are the source of the fighting within your life. It's really like the issue is not the issue. It's how you respond to the issue. That's the issue. Okay, that's, that's what's going on here. And it comes from our passions, and it comes from our desires, a.k.a. that's our pride. You're saying, God, God hates it. We become an enemy to God when I mean, we do that, and actually God resists us. So instead of living your life in a worldly way where it's all about you and it's all about advancement of you and it's all about clawing your way to the top above everyone else around you so that they can all see you and it's all I want more of me and less of you. He's saying, no, no, stop trying to fix them. Stop trying to prove a point. Stop trying to convince them that you're the one that's right, that they're not right. He says, instead of that, just stop it. He's like, instead, submit to God And be humble. Lose the pride in your life. And we should never be fighting with another Christian. All the other conflict outside of that will all begin to lessen. And I think that's something that every single one of us needs to hear today, including myself. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these words, and uh, God, we thank you for relationships. It's a good thing you've made us to live life in relationships, but man, relationships are tough. I mean, it's hard. Like, conflict arises all the time, and we get in fights, and we get in little spats, and arguments, and just all these little things. God, we ask that you would help us to understand first that it's us. It's not the other person. It's not the issue. It's not what they did. No, it's us, and it's the pride within us. And God, we ask that you'd help us remove that pride from our life. Help us to be humble. Give us humility that we so desperately need. And God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.